Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. My name is Noel Nissen. I am part of the preaching team here at C3 in Kelowna. And uh, we're kind of just going to get into it today. I'm going to just pray first, and then we'll start going along with this. So, Father God, I just thank you so much for this day. Lord, you are the author and finisher of our faith. And Lord God, this message today is for somebody here. And Lord, I just pray that anyone who hears it, whether online or whether in this room, that, Lord God, your word would sink deep inside everyone's hearts, and that, Lord God, you would make room in us to do what you want us to do. In Jesus' name. Uh, Robbie and uh, it looks like a couple people, Robbie and and Jake, are going to hand out a couple of things. There's going to be a sticky note. Uh, You're going to get a sticky note and a little felt pen of some sort, a pen of some sort. Hold on to them. We're going to, we're going to, do something together with them throughout the uh, the session here. We're going to take a little bit of time, but uh, just hang on to them for now. We'll tell you what to do with them when when it's time. Now, I want to I want to start by telling you a story. Actually, kind of more of a scenario that I'm sure that most of you will be familiar with. So, one time, I was standing in front of my mirror, the bathroom mirror. I don't know if you've ever had this, where you look in you look in the mirror, and you have a hard time looking at yourself. This one time, I, I like I felt so ashamed of myself. I had, I had stumbled. In my walk with God, and I had stumbled pretty hard. I knew that I had sinned. Uh, it doesn't matter what the sin was, for this story anyway only that I knew that I had sinned. I felt, and I, I know, you, I'm sure most of you have felt this. I, looking at the person in the mirror, I felt detached from that person. Uh, th- this angry sort of numbness came over me, and this one thought came across my mind. I feel so far from God right now. Anybody here familiar with that feeling? Absolutely. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Dave was sharing uh, in this previous series we had, Angels Don't Have Wings. And at one point, he was talking about blind spots. He was illustrating how that those blind spots prevent us from seeing what we need to see about ourselves. And he said that we have certain mechanisms to help us manage those blind spots. And then he asked if anyone had a car that had one of those blind spot indicators on their cars, you know, the little lights on the rearview mirror. Um, For the rest of us who don't have fancy new cars, we just have the regular side view mirrors on the car. That's our blind spot indicator, right? But those side view mirrors serve as a way for us to be able to 
look at things and see what's around us as well, make sure that we have a better picture of what's going on around our vehicle. And did you know that in the early 1900s, when uh, vehicles first started coming onto the scene, people first started driving cars, there were no rear view, side view mirrors. There wasn't anything like that. It was just, you drove straight ahead, you didn't need to see anything else. And side view mirrors weren't actually patented until the 1930s, and they were patented by a guy named Elmer Berger. Elmer Berger. And his name for them was not side view or rear view mirrors. His name for them was cop spotters. I love it. I'm going to refer to these things as cop spotters forever now. <laughs> then in the 1960s, the governments in uh, the US and in Canada decided that as a safety feature, side view and rear view mirrors were going to be mandated and every vehicle since then has side view mirrors. And now I've heard that there's actually talk of making every side view mirror have on new vehicles have cameras that they actually will record and show, and actually Teslas even have that now where you can have that, that camera view of all around the car. And then uh, I was actually a couple years ago, I was in Calgary and I got a, a ride from a, uh, a guy that I work with and he had his fancy new truck and the cameras around the truck created this cool little thing on the screen in the truck that had, it looked like a, like a drone was following him the whole time. It was just like all the way around the truck. I thought that was the coolest thing I think I've ever seen. I was like, is there actually a drone up there? That's awesome, something following us, that's really cool. When you look at your side view mirrors, there's these two things that they're safety ones, but the one on the right is a little different than the one on the left. It has this phrase on it. What's that phrase? Who can tell me what that phrase is? Everybody knows that mirror, right? Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. And that is the title of our message today. Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. That sticky note that we gave you, I want you to write that on the sticky note, but I want you to write it in the middle of the sticky note, okay? I don't want you to write it on the, up on the top or on the, on the bottom. I want it to be on the middle. I'm gonna demonstrate up here, assuming I didn't close my pin way too tight. So if that's my sticky note, we're just gonna go somewhere in the middle. Objects in mirror. Something along these lines. Okay, I wanna have a little bit of space below it and I wanna have a little bit of space above it. We'll come back to what else we're gonna do with this in a little bit. Uh, while you're doing that, I'd actually like you to do this. I'd like you to just draw brackets around the word objects. And then I want you to draw an arrow that points between the word closer and then. We'll come back to that in a minute. Now, let's go ahead and put the sticky note aside. I remember when I was a kid, I was fascinated by that mirror. Now, I am old enough to remember cars that didn't have seat belts. Believe it or not, seat, uh, side view mirrors were instigated or were, were mandated in cars before seat belts were, <laughs> which is weird, but I guess that's the way it is. I remember our first, I remember when I was a little kid, my, our car did not have uh, re rear seat belts. 
the kids just bounced around in the back and that's the way it was. We'd climb over the seats going 80 miles down the road, 80 miles an hour down the road, it was just, just what it was. And I remember I'd be looking at that side view mirror and reading that thing and looking at those words and thinking to myself, that is super weird. And I'd look behind and I'd look at the things that were behind me and then I'd look at the things in the mirror and I'm like, that's so cool. Like they're just, they look like they're so far away, but they're like right there. And there's this really awesome scene in the movie Jurassic Park. You know what I'm talking about? There's this great scene where they're the main characters, some of the main characters are, are in this Jeep. They're running away, dr driving away from this Tyrannosaurus Rex that's chasing them. And it cuts to this scene of the side view mirror. Uh, funny enough, if you watch the movie again, they put that wording on the wrong mirror. It's on the left side, not on the right. But interestingly enough, uh, it cuts to the scene where it shows the mirror and it says objects in mirror are closer than they appear and it's got the T-Rex face just like filling the whole mirror. <laughs> and it's this great little comedic moment in this very intense scene. But those mirrors, the way that they work, the, way, the reason why they make things look a little bit uh, farther away than they are is because those mirrors are actually slightly curved. It creates this, uh, they're just, they're what we call convex, not concave. Concave would make it look closer. Convex, it's kind of this curve that makes things look a little further away. It's sort of like a, a change. It's designed so you can see more. You can actually see further and more of the blind spot on the right side of the car. But it's actually a distorted view of reality. It's a distorted view of what is really there. Now let's apply that to the way we see ourselves. How often do we see ourselves in this distorted metaphorical mirror that we have inside of ourselves appearing to be farther away from God than we really are? In my example, when I was looking in the mirror in that bathroom, I despised myself for giving into temptation yet again. I, my thoughts were, how am I supposed to get back to God now? Will he even want to forgive me? I wouldn't. I'm just going to do it again. Anybody been there? Anybody felt this? In Bible times, they didn't have side view mirrors. You didn't see a horse going down the dirt road with mirrors on the side of its head that say chariots and mirror are closer than they appear. That didn't exist, right? There's nothing like that. But there actually was a concept of a distorted reflection that didn't give a full picture of reality. Scripture actually has an example of this. In the book of 1 Corinthians, there's a chapter called the love chapter. It's chapter 13. Starts out with this introspective examination of how all the spiritual gifts are useless when we're, it's not motivated by love. The first verse of the chapter says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And it goes on for a few verses like that. And then after a few verses, it lists the properties of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. This morning, if you were here for pre-service, the little pre-service prayer, uh, uh, 
Rachel shared this really awesome thing on hospitality and how this church is really good at hospitality. Hospitality is showing love, right? It's good. It's really good. Right around verse 8 in that chapter, the, the chapter shifts tone and talks about all those spiritual gifts being only temporary until Christ's return. And with, being, with love being the one thing that will last forever. In, chapter, in verse 8 to 10, it says, Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our, now right now, I mean, this is the one part I, call, part, uh, part I want to call to attention. Right now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial, I will say temporary, things will become useless. And then there's this really interesting statement in verse 12 that says this. Right now, now, we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. Does that sound like distorted picture of reality? Puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, when Christ returns and perfection comes, like it said in the last thing, we will see everything with perfect clarity. Another translation of that verse says, we see in a mirror darkly. The writer of this understood the concept of distorted reflection. The idea that you weren't, what you were seeing wasn't an entirely accurate picture of what was being reflected. Mirrors in biblical times were not a piece of glass like we know them today. Mirrors weren't a piece of glass with aluminum or silver on the back that was highly you know, shiny and, and perfectly reflective. In those, in those times, mirrors were actually a um, piece of metal like bronze or something like that, that was hammered out to this very thin, flat, wide sheet. And when they were just hammered, if you, have you ever tried hammering something to be flat? How, how does that go? It's pretty hard to do. I mean, yeah, there are people who are really good at it, but it's pretty hard to do. And, and there'd be hammer indentations on that thing. They didn't have microfiber to polish the thing. And so they would just use whatever they had. And cotton tends to scratch things when you're trying to polish. These mirrors could not give an accurate view, an accurate picture of life. They, 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 they were always dimmer than reality, always lost detail. It's a weird thing to think that until the glass mirror in front of us, no one had ever accurately seen their own reflection before that in all of history. They had only ever seen a distorted view of themselves. Any imperfection in that mirror would have distorted the way that what they see. Now, how many times do we look at ourselves in our internal mirrors and get that distorted view? How many times do we miss the good things about ourselves and our lives because we're so focused on the negative? 
Ever had an argument with someone where that person only seemed to be focusing on the negative things about you rather than the positive? Seemingly forgetting that there are any positive things at all? I don't know how many times I've argued with my wife and I'm like all about the negative and, and she's like, yeah, but what about the good things in my life? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I guess there are some, right? Yeah. <laughs> all the good things outweigh the negative by far. Let's take a look at a more contemporary example of a person's distorted view in a mirror. Uh, Disney Company just recently announced that they were remaking, or they're making a live action version of Snow White. I, I see a few like nods and a few, mm -mm, no, no. <laughs> it's okay, it's a classic. Do you know that movie came out in 1937? 37. In the original cartoon, we're going to talk about the original cartoon, not the, not the remake. There's this evil queen. And she has this magic mirror hanging on the wall. And every morning she asks this mirror a question. How many of you know the question? Magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest one of all? What's interesting about this movie is that the queen in this movie, if you go back and watch it, the queen in this movie, and you think about it in terms of the like 1937 beauty standards, the queen is portrayed in this movie as a beautiful woman. And the mirror tells her this, says this to her. This is the quote, famed is your beauty, majesty but then goes on to tell her that there's a more beautiful girl in the kingdom, Snow White. This makes the queen absolutely livid to the point where she's gonna plot to kill Snow White. She wants to kill her. But what's really at the root of the queen's motivation here? If you go back and watch the movie, the, the queen's clothing in the movie, the clothing in the movie, actually the colors that they use for her clothing represent pride and vanity. Think about that. Her feelings of inadequacy. There's a feeling of inadequacy, right? Like, I need to be the fairest one. There's a feeling of like, I'm not good enough. And it's just a form of vanity and pride. When we look at ourselves and we're obsessed with our appearance and seeing ourselves as better than others or wanting to be better, wanting to be the prettiest, wanting to whatever, that's, that's pride and vanity. It's a form of pride and vanity. The magic mirror represents her view of herself. The mirror tells her a distorted story. It uses a little bit of the truth. You are beautiful. But there's someone else that's more beautiful. And instead of seeing the truth of who she is, 
a beautiful woman in her own right, she can only see the distorted view of not being beautiful enough. The object, her beauty, appears to be farther away than it really is. The queen in this story is just like us. We see ourselves and our entire situation in a distorted reflection. We don't see the way God sees. And we even have a distorted picture of God. The world's picture of God is the old man in the clouds looking down on us, ready to judge us. Bolt of lightning strike us down. I'll never set foot in a church because I'll get hit by lightning. I've never seen that yet so far. Although it'd be interesting to see, I guess. I mean, we could tie that whole concept about God, you know, the old man with the white beard and all that stuff. We could tie that back to that Angels Don't Have Wings series, right? We could, another one of those beliefs that just isn't accurate in any way. The thing that sets Christianity apart from other religions is that God is personal. He's the only God in a world full of gods that comes into a relationship with you. The only one. All the other gods are judgmental. They're the ones who are indifferent. They don't care. Or we have to do something to appease them. Or that's not our God. Further than that, he's the God that never leaves you. Hebrews 13.5 says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. The New King James Version actually says it this way. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Was the queen content with what she had? I don't think so. For he himself, God himself, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How do you promise to never leave somebody if you aren't already right there with them? He's right here with you. If he wasn't, he couldn't promise you that he wasn't going to leave you. And just to hammer things home, just because God likes to, you know, there's that saying, like, if, if God says something in the Bible, you should listen. If he says it twice in the Bible, you should really listen. It's really true. Just to hammer this home, in Matthew 28, verse 20, just as Jesus is finishing giving his disciples the Great Commission, who knows what the Great Commission is? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Right? He finishes that statement by saying this. And be sure of this. I am with you, what? Always even to the end of the age. I don't know about you, but um, always seems like a long time. Yeah. Always doesn't have a conditional rider on that statement. I am with you always unless you do X, Y, Z sin. If your heart is to please him, if your heart is to be with him, 
He will never leave you. Do you know when, um, there's this thing, when somebody is separated from God, what do we say? They walked away from God. They left him. He didn't leave them. I can leave him. He'll never leave me. All right, let's grab your sticky notes again. Where you put the brackets around objects, right above the word objects, I want you to write me. I want you to write relationship with God. These are the objects, me, my relationship with God. It is the adversary's goal to make you feel like you're far away from God, to distort the metaphorical mirror in your heart that we look at our own lives through every day so that connection with God will appear farther away than it really is. That's what he's looking to do. But God just finished saying, I will never leave you. He would never abandon you. If we give in to the feeling that we're far away from God, this is an ouch moment, okay? If you don't want an ouch moment, don't listen to this part. If we give in to the feeling that we're far away from God, it means that we're allowing ourselves to believe a lie. How many of you like being deceived? Yet somehow we often choose to believe the lie that I'm not pretty enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not... And you know what? Sorry, I'm going to say this. I know I've been talking about pretty enough and all that stuff. Us guys, we do that too. We do it too. There's plenty of times I'm looking in the mirror, oh, my ear's a little... Getting bigger ears is one of the things that grows your whole life. My grandfather had monster ears, and I know one day, 80 years old, I'm going to have these, like, Dumbo ears. It is what it is. And I can get so focused on that. My nose keeps growing, my ears, whatever. I can get so focused on that that I forget that I am who God made me to be. If we look in the mirror but don't remember to read the warning that objects and mirror are closer than they appear, then we're going to imagine our journey back to God being too hard. So why bother trying? Right? Have you ever been there before? Ah, oh, I've just made another mistake. Why bother trying? And that's, when we get into that spot, that's where the adversary our enemy can keep us from fulfilling God's plan. He can keep us trapped in our sin, in misery, in self-defeat, in depression, fear, anxiety, offense. Ouch. I don't, I don't like being trapped in any of those things. There's a, a scripture, this is a little off script here, but there's a scripture that says... Um, Bible, oh man, this is one of those things that's like, if you don't forgive others, the Father will not forgive you. 
I would hate to be the guy that stands before God on judgment day. I'm ready to go in, God. Uh, you didn't forgive your mother-in-law for that thing she said. <laughs> what? Uh, it's just the way it is. We have to be forgiving. But the, the enemy wants to keep us trapped in that stuff. He wants to keep you self-condemned. The Wikipedia page for the Snow White movie, I'm going to, this is super interesting. I was reading the Wikipedia for Snow White, and it says this really amazing thing about the magic mirror. It says that the magic mirror is the queen's familiar demon, the adversary who presents a distorted view of her reality, keeps her trapped. Here's, here's the end of my story when I was looking in the mirror. I mean, I walked away from the physical mirror in my bathroom, but I realized that the mirror in my heart that I was looking at myself through was distorted. It was showing the wrong thing. Side view mirrors are engineered with a trade-off. They're engineered this way on purpose. Yes, things look farther away, but the trade-off is that the mirror gives you a wider view of your surroundings. Sure, I appeared to be farther away from God in the metaphorical mirror of my heart, but I realized that that was not the reality. I had forgotten to look at the warning that says objects and mirror, mirror are closer than they appear. I shifted my thinking. I reminded myself of who I am in Christ. This allowed me to repent of my sin, to ask God for forgiveness, repentance, what is repentance is. Actually, repentance is asking for forgiveness and then turning away from it, which is cool. I reminded myself that he will never leave me nor forsake me. That means he's with me now. And he's always right here. That he promised me. This, this in the word is a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's get our sticky notes out one more time here. At the bottom where we, where we drew this arrow, I just want you to put the words to... To God. These objects, me, my relationship with God, in the mirror of my heart, are closer to God than they appear. Every Christian fails. I've said previously in other messages I've shared that the reason David in the Bible was called a man after God's own heart was that every time he sinned, he ran straight back to God, not away from God like the rest of us do. 
When his internal mirror told him that he was far away from God, that was his prompt to go, I need you, God. Yesterday, and of course, you know, what's funny about this message is that um, <laughs> the Lord gave me this message three weeks before I was asked to share this message. <laughs> three weeks he put this on my heart. And yesterday, because he just wants to prove points, I guess, he put me in a position where this was exactly what happened. <laughs> yesterday was our friend's uh, birthday, and we were out with her for a while. We had, there, was another, there was five of us in the car, so I got booted out of the front seat into the back seat. I am not a good backseat driver, or a backseat passenger. I, if, if the car, now my friend who's driving, my friend is one of those guys, gotta go fast, yeah, woo, let's go, you drive hard, let's just, we're leaving Peachland, and we turn onto the highway, and, he, and we're just about to go up that hill, and he just punches the gas, and I'm starting to get really queasy. My wife looks at me, she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm not even saying anything. I'm gonna pop if I say anything. Like, I am not in a great spot. We got to this, we got to where we were going and we got out of the car and I kind of snapped on my friend. I'm like, man, you're driving like, a, like yeah. And uh, it made me feel really sick. And he's like, man, you should have said something. I'm so sorry, and, and whatnot. It was whatnot. And the rest of the day, my heart was like, ah. Oh. Because the thing that we didn't, I didn't mention before is the other person that bumped me, the other person that was a passenger that bumped me into the back was their friend who is not someone who is a believer. And I demonstrated in front of that person a behavior that was not what a Christian should be. And my heart was heavy last night. And my wife came and she sat down with me and she's like, you all right? And I'm just like, my heart is hurting right now. And I had to run back to God. My mirror was telling me that I was a little bit far away, but it prompted me to go to him, not to run away, not to look at it, think it's too hard because I know how good he is and I know his mercy and I know his love. If you are saved, meaning that if you are in relationship with God, he's right here. We fail, but if our heart is for him, we would look at that failure and go, he forgives me. I got to just move back to him. Like we said in Hebrews 13, 5 earlier, he will never leave you. He's never going to abandon you. God is so much closer than you realize. He's with you right now. That's an awesome little scripture, especially if you're like in a family where many of you are Christians, uh, many of you who believe in him. There's this really awesome scripture that says, wherever two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. How many of us are in here? Like 30, 40 people? There he is. He's here in the midst of us. But when we're on our own, if we are believers in him, he is right there with us. Now, what's awesome, like, it's even if you feel like you're far away from him, he's still near. Your feelings, I've said this before too, your feelings are just feelings. They can lie to you. And your feelings are important, 
but you definitely shouldn't put all your eggs into your feelings basket. You should be thinking in terms of, is this feeling the right feeling? But what's even better about this is like, even if you're not in a relationship with God, he's still nearby. Romans 10.9, this is awesome, lists the entire criteria for coming to know him in one sentence. There's literally one sentence. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Sounds like he's pretty close. That's all there is. Even though someone might not be in relationship with him, he's right there waiting for them. As soon as they do that, he's right in there. He's waiting on bated breath, like, come on, just, just do it, just do it. Yes! And I'm here with you. He loves you. He loves to be with us. He created us for relationship. When you get home, that sticky note, go put that on your mirror. And next time you're tempted to think of yourself as too far from God or I'm not good enough, remind yourself that the objects in the mirror, you, your relationship with God, are closer than they appear. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.